This is Keeping Current with Wayne Potter. Welcome to Keeping Current. I'm Wayne Potter, your host. I'm talking today with the pastor, John Shuck, the minister of Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. Southminster has been described as a progressive Christian church that welcomes everyone, including atheists and agnostics. Pastor Shuck was born in Dayton, Ohio, received a B.A. in English at the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, and a Master of Divinity degree from Princeton Theological Seminary. He has served churches in New York, Montana, and Tennessee, and he has served the Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton since 2012. One of John's primary interests is understanding and exploring the connections between Christianity and Islam. He has developed activities between his church and the Portland Islamic Mosque, which is immediately across the street from his church. Former ministers of this church equally promoted activities between the church and the mosque. John spoke at several Northwest Islamic conferences in Seattle. More recently, he participated in the Arba'in pilgrimage that is held annually in Iraq. This pilgrimage is the world's largest, drawing more than 15 million participants, many walking some 50 miles from Najaf to the city of Karbala. The event commemorates the martyrdom of the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad, Hussein ibn Ayyub. Welcome, John Check, to the Keeping Current Show. It's great to have you on. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks, Wayne. <laughs> well, let, let's have you uh, talk a little bit about your role with the uh, Southminster uh, Presbyterian Church. Uh, perhaps you could describe for me sort of the general outlook of the Southminster Presbyterian Church. What is it? think about what its beliefs are and what does it do? Yeah, I would say that Southminster's been here for about 60 years. Uh, I'm only the fourth pastor, installed pastor of this congregation. Uh, it is a, a suburban church. I would call it a progressive church. It was uh, a leader in terms of uh, LGBT rights as well as progressive theology, and those uh, were the things that have attracted me here. So it's active in the community. Of course, its big thing is its art show uh, that once a year, I think they've done it now for 40 years. This is the 41st year, uh, really a major uh, uh, show of featuring artists uh, of the Northwest. And so that's really put, I think, uh, Southminster on the map, I think, in terms of uh, the public it's work. Coming up pretty and it's coming up here on March, uh, February 1st to March 2nd. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> we'll put this on before March. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Have some people join. Uh, it comes on, maybe you want to give some specific dates. It'll be like. Uh, yeah, the February 28th is their Thursday, uh, what they call a gala, and which be in the evening, and people are kind of get a first look at the art. And then Friday and Saturday uh, is the art show day and night uh, when people can come in and, and buy pieces and shop, different kinds of things, ceramics, uh, paintings, uh, jewelry. And then on Sunday, we do a fun thing called Worship Among the Art. So we actually have. Uh, church service uh, within the uh, art pieces themselves. Yeah, and uh, it, it does help uh, with the church's foundation, and it, right? And it provides uh, funding for a variety of activities throughout the, this area. They do, and they help uh, provide scholarships uh, for uh, uh, artists and schools 
and, and teachers in that, as well as uh, help the artists themselves, because they get a good, obviously, a major uh, uh, terms of income in terms of the art pieces they sell. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that was tremendous. We drove by it for 20 years before we came in, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots, a lot of people do that, right. So now, one of the other aspects of this particular community happens to be the fact that immediately across the street is, is an organization uh, that uh, exists in what used to be a restaurant, but is now the uh, the Portland Islamic Center, uh, which has a specific focus. Perhaps you could describe a little bit about the the role of the, the churches, your, in your experience anyway, uh, with this uh, Islamic Center. Yeah, the Islamic Center of Portland, the Imam Mahdi Center, is uh, the only Shia mosque in the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are about 700,000 Shias uh, in the United States. Uh, overall, 1.8 million Muslims, 1.8 billion Muslims in the world, and about 400 million of those are Shias. Right. And so this is the only Shia mosque uh, in, in the area. And so we're... Uh, Great that we're just right across the street from them. Um, my predecessor, Peg Fobb, um, had relationships not only with them, but another uh, Islamic boss, the Bilal Mosque, uh, back when she was pastor here in the 2000s. Uh, after September 11th, it was actually Southminster uh, that even right after reached out to the Muslim community, community in terms of wanting to support them, in terms of the backlash and all of that kind of thing. Uh, so... We, we've uh, went on our congregation has an interfaith uh, connection with uh, not only that but with the synagogues and you know different faith groups and so we uh, example host uh, Sai Baba which is an interfaith group uh, that meets here on Sundays so we're very open to uh, the congregation but far before me has been very open to interfaith activities. Right. So Sai Baba is a interfaith activity. It's yeah, it, it comes out of Hinduism. Oh, out of Hinduism. And okay. and so, uh, but it's it's uh, of, Hinduism is an incredible variety of of uh, expressions. Right. And so okay. this is one <laughs> one of them. one of many kinds. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, now this sort of activity. Uh, says out pretty out loud that the congregation here is in tune with that kind of activity and belief. Has there ever been any kind of negative response to that, or has it tended to attract people that want to be a part broadly participative in an ecumenical connection? Yeah, I, I would say that our congregation is definitely ecumenical and interfaith and, 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 and curious and uh, wishes for, uh, you know, uh, a good humanity, so it isn't really hung up in its own beliefs or doctrines. It's a it's a liberal church, uh, you know, and so it lends itself to uh, anything that supports the benefit of humanity. I think. Right. Okay. Now uh, it's also worked its way into the worship service here in the church. Perhaps you could give me uh, some description of how that plays out, uh, both in terms of the written word as well as the spoken word. I will. Let me just give a little background to that first. Uh, we've had a good relationship with the uh, Islamic Center of Portland. Um, yeah, it was a couple of years ago that actually students connected to that masjid, is what they call M-A-S-J-I-D, is the preferred term, as right. opposed to mosque, more of a European term that's mm -hmm. put on it. But uh, these are students who brought the Ramadan tent project uh, to the, the United students? States. Yeah, the students, they were uh, dental students, some students at Portland State, a variety of young people, 
In, in London, they were doing what they called during the month of Ramadan, the whole month. They fast during the day, and then at sunset, uh, break the fast, which is a meal called iftar. And so in London, they felt the real need uh, to have this be interfaith, to connect with people so they can understand Islam, not be afraid, uh, uh, and, and so forth. And so they would have these tents up, and then people would eat, and they'd invite the larger community, non-Muslims, to participate with them. Right. And so these students here in Portland said, we should do that here. And so they, they got together and were looking for a place to do it, and they wanted to do it at a place that wasn't necessarily a mosque or a masjid. And so I got somehow I got in the loop of an email exchange, and I said, yeah, have it here, and it'll be great. great. And so we had it in the backyard okay. of our church. It was no, no tents, but it was only for three days. Uh, so And it was really a, a, an exciting opportunity to connect um, with them. And they were not about just their own mosque, but all, all Muslims were, were invited. And so they had actually two different prayer times. For example, the Sunnis and the Shias worship or uh, have their prayer time at a slightly different oh, time okay. depending upon the sunset and, and those kinds of uh, considerations. So, um, so yes. Now, as far as connecting um, with non-Christian expressions in worship, this is something I personally am all about. I think it's very important uh, to be able to understand that worship isn't just a, like a, a Christian thing. It's it's got to be bigger than that. And and I think with Islam in particular, it's important because of the three Abrahamic faiths. Islam is often the outside one. So Christianity has Hebrew scriptures, and we have Christian scriptures, but hardly ever have any Islamic scriptures, the Quran. Mm-hmm. And I think the, that would help a lot in terms of um, lessening misunderstanding by including uh, the Quran in Christian worship. Right. And there's no theological reason not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have uh, readings from all kinds of different things, places and whatnot. So, so I think it's an important thing, and, uh, and so... I do it. Okay. <laughs> but it hasn't ended just with textual material. I mean, you've had speakers here as well. I did. We yeah, had, yeah. Uh, when I went uh, to Iraq, uh, I met uh, a sheikh, which is kind of like a reverend, just uh, who's studying um, in Najaf, Iraq. Uh, and, and I met him as, as one of the tour guides on our tour. And he also happens to, he's from, uh, has a family here in the United States, his wife and child, children. And so while he was back in the United States, uh, he had a short window of time. And so I invited him to come up and, and preach to us. And he did a beautiful job uh, and talked about uh, Mary in the Quran. Right. And uh, Mary, uh, actually more about Mary in the Quran than there is in the New Testament. So. I mean, that, that is an amazing finding. I mean, uh-huh. I was there that Sunday, and I remember. So, I mean, I mean, it's not like you run across individuals that have the, the ability and the experience to be able to come and speak to a primarily English-speaking audience. So it's refreshing to be able to, to get that person and to find such, as I recall it, such enthusiasm uh, to talk about the personhood of Mary, whom we don't talk about. The uh, Roman Catholics talk a lot more about Mary than we do. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's, uh, what many things that Christians don't know is that uh, Muslims uh, have obviously a very high regard uh, for Jesus and for Mary. Jesus is a, is a prophet, uh, as, as are all the prophets, uh, like Muhammad. Uh, they, they don't 
follow the, the Christian dogma of Trinity and those kinds of things. But nonetheless, uh, in fact, my own theology, I don't either, really, for that matter. Jesus is, a, is a, an exemplary teacher and, and uh, person of, of ethics and wisdom, um, prophet. And so I, I think we have actually a lot in common uh, with Islam. Now, this background and the proximity of the, the Shia uh, uh, Majid, uh, it seems to me, has provided you with other opportunities. And I believe recently, although not really, really recently, but back in about September, October, you had an opportunity and were invited, I believe, to participate in a conference, an Islamic conference in Seattle, and where you had a chance to speak. I did, yes. So, yeah, this was back in March. Well, March. So we've, I've... We've had relationships with the Islamic Center of Portland, and I know some of those folks, we celebrated the birthdays of Jesus and Muhammad together mm-hmm. and have had a, a, a number of different gatherings like that. And out of the course of that, I was, um, and, and then because of my radio show on, on KBOO, um, they, uh, an organization called Roots of Conflict was talking about largely about the situation in Yemen and the U.S.-Saudi coalition and, and a lot of political issues. And their, their issues was we need to talk about what, what is the political aspects within the Middle East mm-hmm. to educate not just the theological parts. And so in this conference, I um, interviewed some of the speakers who were going to be there before on the radio, and then they asked me to moderate the conference. And so I did that. Oh, 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 oh. And so this was in March. It was at Portland State, uh, March of 2018. Then from that... Um, one of the organizers of Roots of Conflict, uh, it's a woman, Zara Abida, Abadi, sorry, Abadi of Seattle, um, has an organization called the Husseiniya Society, and it's an educational interfaith group. And, um, and so I was invited then in April, I believe it was, to go and speak there in terms of um, for Hussein Day, and I'll tell you about Hussein in a bit too. I'm sure you're going to ask me about that. So, uh, and and so I spoke there, and what that role of that organization is is to give kind of scholarships to people to go to Iraq, to go to Arba'in, which I went to, mm-hmm. and and to pay the way, and that's what happened. And so she paid my way to go and and experience this and bring it back as a Christian pastor and someone who would be very open to. Um, learning these new things. Right. Well, this, I believe, where, is where you learned about the Arbaeen pilgrimage. Right. Um, and uh, perhaps you could uh, sort of describe a little bit about what that means, because I was telling you earlier that I'm not familiar with the, the history and the, of the growth of uh, Islam. I mean, I know it started in the 7th century, around the mid-1600s or something like that, and there are all these characters and figures and events that occurred since then. So somehow this Arba'in pilgrimage focuses on one aspect of that history. So perhaps you could give a little bit yeah. more meat to it. Than yes, I, can. <laughs> I was. And it relates back to the roots of conflict. It is uh, in terms of the figure, the person to talk about is is Hussein. And, and, and if I was really being, I would say it's Hussein, peace be upon him. And uh, he was the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad, mm-hmm. and uh, he, and he was killed in uh, Karbala, Iraq, in um, about 1400 years ago, in the 
early 600s. And he and his 72 companions were actually just a really a slaughter, um, 30,000 uh, of the only, opposing only army. Only 30,000. Yeah. Okay. And so it was and, – and, and all Muslims regard this as a tragedy. Regardless, this isn't uh, a Sunni – this wasn't a Sunni-Shia oh, split okay. or anything like right. that. They all regard – because he's the grandson of the prophet. They don't all necessarily follow the line of the lineage of the authority – but they all realized that that was a bad thing that happened. Right. So he, uh, Hussein and his family are killed, and uh, since then, um, and the story goes is that his sister, the women and children were taken in, in, as kind of in prisoners, and they went back to Syria, and then eventually went back to back to Karbala, Iraq. And when they went back, it was on the 40th day after his. Uh, death that she visited his place. And so that's kind of been since then, the 40th day uh, after uh, the the murder, they go back and, and people visit it. And so Arba'in means 40th in in Arabic. So he was buried there. Buried there. So there is a shrine there in Karbala for for him as well as for his half brother who was the leader of the of the military there with him as Abbas. And so those are two two of the shrines. They have uh in within the Shia tradition there are a number of shrines um the, if, for the various imams of this tradition. So the Alul Bayt, they talk about the family of the prophet. So it goes uh, a lineage from Muhammad down to uh, Ali Hassan, his brother, and then Hussein, and then so so forth. Right. So over the many, many, many years, over this 1,400 or so years, we, they've been practicing, practicing this pilgrimage. But it's been on and off and on and off over the time because of the dangers of it. Am I not correct? Yes, you're correct. The Shias have are, are often a minority, and they're very, I think, DNA is resistance to tyranny. And that's what Hussein stood for. He didn't believe that uh, it was for the sake of Islam, for the sake of humanity, that this Yazid character uh, would not lead it. And he would not, so he refused to acknowledge him as the authority. And so that's uh, why uh, uh, he was killed. Um, and so they've always had this spirit of, of resistance uh, in terms of, of whatever the governments are on. And so, uh, and so, visiting the shrine has been a an act of devotion, an act of mourning, um, but also, in a sense, I think, an act of uh, an act of resistance, an act for for on behalf of justice. There's a, there's a phrase that says, "Every day is Ashura, and every place is Karbala." Uh, the day he was killed was Ashura, and Karbala is the place. So, in that sense, wherever there is injustice in the world. Um, and whatever time there's injustice in the world, uh, the call is to, you know, be a person to resist that. Right, right, yeah. So there's a very similarity, just to, to one more thing, <laughs> okay. with, with to me, with the understanding of Jesus. And that's where it comes together, because I believe the historical Jesus, not necessarily the whole creedal Jesus of the church, but the historical Jesus was, was along those that same trajectory of, of, uh, of justice. Okay. And they're both martyrs. So describe for me a little bit about what is what was the actual physical activity you participated in the pilgrimage. Yeah. All right. So visiting this shrine of Imam Hussein has been has been happening off and on over this 1400 years. Usually, I mean, they've always done it, but it hasn't always been a 
a big rush, and several times it's been destroyed, these shrines, and built built again. Even more uh, recently. Yeah, and, and then in 2000, when in the time of Saddam Hussein, not to be confused with the historical Hussein, right. he uh, also oppressed the Shias and would not allow them to do the pilgrimage. I mean, people could drive to the shrine, but it was the walking itself, kind of like Martin Luther King Jr. marching, that was the problem. Right. And so it would be... Uh, very dangerous to go and visit uh, the shrine. The Saddam's secret police were out uh, arresting people for that, imprisoning, sometimes executing people for that. Uh, the imam of the Islamic Center of Portland, um, uh, Musan al-Dalami, was there. He's from Najaf, and he would was one who was uh, uh, would do it at, at, at night. And uh, he, he, remember, he lost a friend. He was arrested himself and tortured. So Saddam Hussein... When he fell in 2003, then suddenly uh, that opened up the opportunity for Shias to visit um, the shrine of Hussein uh, in a pilgrimage. And it has grown incredibly since then. Uh, the estimate when I was there this year is in that period of about two weeks, 10 days to two weeks, 15 million people visited this city of Karbala. So pretty big crowd. That's a big crowd. <laughs> and some say the estimate's an a low estimate, but uh, but uh, so but it has been increasing each year. Fifteen million people, and it's a city of about the size of Portland, about a million and a half. So um, no, uh, I mean sewage system, no electrical <laughs> grid really to speak of. I mean, uh, and and yet this city, they say, it expands to welcome all of these people. Right. Now, now, you were on a tour, so you had the, the benefit of being able to go and stay in some places that had been prearranged, but also you, you actually stayed in some other places where it was sort of a stop-by? <laughs> well, there is. So, so what happens is that there's Karbala, and then there's Najaf, and that's another city that's about 50 miles away. And Najaf is uh, really, uh, along the way, is, is, is Babylon. I mean, we're talking about kind of the cradle of civilization here. And uh, so there is a a walk that people will take from Najaf to Karbala and all along the way. And it's the only time it's really active is during these, this period of Arba'in mm -hmm. and they have tents and, and sometimes buildings all along the way. So people will, if they're from other parts of the country, they need to fly, they fly into Najaf and take the walk. Uh, some people walk from different paths there, even from as far as Iran to many different places a walk along. So that is really the action uh, of that of that walk. Now, I was on a tour group of American Shias, and so we went to, and we were there a couple of weeks, so we went to Karbala first and stayed in a hotel in Karbala, did a lot of touring around, visiting other sites in Iraq, Baghdad, Samara, visiting the, the shrine itself, and then just before the day of Arba'in itself, or three or four days before, they bust us to Najaf, and then we did the walk and right. stayed uh, overnight um, along the way. And you ate, ate your way? <laughs> ate, ate what people miles. gave. You know, it was it was all oh, constant um, hospitality. I mean, of, of whatever, all of rice, of desserts, of uh, chai. I got addicted to Iraqi chai. <laughs> so, a lot of sugar. Good stuff. Uh, good, yeah, the good stuff. And... Uh, um, yeah, all kind of food that people will give you, and the idea is that they, uh, many of these Iraqi people, will spend the whole year saving up so that they can provide gifts to the uh, the visitors, the visitors of the shrine. Now, the, if you were to uh, 
I'd like you to describe the, the people that you met along the way. I mean, it wasn't just men. <laughs> there was a there was a considerable variety of people, both from place and also by sex and even by religious outlook. Perhaps you could describe some of that. Yes. So, yes, men and women, children, elderly, um, people pushed along in carts. Some people, you know, I, I was kind of anxious about this 50-mile hike. Well, i got to get, you know, ready for this. And I had my kind of walking boots and all this kind of stuff. And then to see, you look around, that some people are walking in sandals, bare feet. <laughs> uh, and, and some people truly had walked for 400 miles. Mm. There is even a report that some people had come from Russia for several months in making this pilgrimage. So that, that idea is that it, uh, 60 different countries, I believe, were represented. Um and so from all over, a lot of people from Iran, they'd say probably uh, maybe a third. I don't know what the percentage is, but certainly a good number of people had come from Iran and who hadn't been before during, this, of course, Saddam's time. So, um, yes, yeah, yeah, so, so, so men and women from a lot, a lot from Iran, from Iran, from all over. I remember talking one time, oh, gosh, it must have been an hour and a half, a nice walk with a gentleman from India. And uh, so I'm limited because I only speak English, right. and um, and so I had to have people who spoke English uh, to meet with me, and, and that and most most people, well, English is you know pretty much a global language, but not everybody knows it fluently, but that limited my perspective on who I could talk with, but um, nonetheless there were many people who did speak enough English to speak <laughs> to <laughs> <Thank> me. <goodness. laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been. Hmm, yeah. So, so many people, all all ages, and and different faith traditions too. I met mostly would be Shia real, uh, Muslims, but constantly I was told that Hussein is for everyone. Doesn't matter what your religion is, and so it's it's not like the Hajj, which uh, in Mecca, which is restricted to Muslims. This is open and encouraging from people from other faiths uh, to come and participate. Right. Now, the way people perceived you on this trip was somewhat different than from the normal pilgrim. And perhaps you uh, could help me understand what what your role was and how people thought about you and acted with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I was, uh, yes, I was definitely stood out as, as being very light-skinned and uh, obviously not from around here, as you might say. So, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, people would constantly come up to me and ask me who who I was and where I was from and if I was a Muslim. And and when I told them I was a Christian, then told them I was a Christian, you know, communicated a Christian Christian Sheikh or a Christian pastor. <laughs> that and then it was like wow. And uh, but it was a very very welcoming and very excited that that I would come and be there. In fact, there are a number of videos of other Christians, not necessarily from the United States, but other Christian bishops and what who paid their honor to Hussein and and that was really very important to to, to show that that connection that oftentimes we don't know that really uh, Christians and Muslims have, in the Middle East have lived peacefully together for centuries it's oftentimes only recent in these larger conflicts that that has been a problem but so yeah I was uh, I, I don't know how many selfies uh, I, people took with me because that was a, a bit unusual my, my companion who I went with who did the camera work because we went to do this uh, uh, documentary which is coming up um, he, he, he wasn't quite as obviously not from here but um, I was I think so <laughs> <laughs> so 
you sort of alluded to it, but basically they you would be perceived as, as a journalist, as someone who yeah. is affiliated in some way with the, with the media, and I'm sure that had uh, pretty dramatic. Uh, well, one of the things, yeah, how that all took I, it, and in some respects, it ended up being a story about. Uh, me and, and my companion Josh, Josh Townsley, who actually is the director for Evergreen Habitat for Humanity in Vancouver. Uh, We've come to the conclusion of part one of Keeping Current. It's time now to take a brief break. We'll return in a minute for part two. So stay tuned. One billion people live in chronic hunger, and I'm mad as hell. The FAO created this campaign to spread awareness of world hunger and food insecurity. Out of the 1 billion suffering from hunger and food insecurity, 49.1 million are living in the U.S. alone. And of that 49.1 million, 17.3 are considered to have very low food security. This issue needs to be addressed and is looked past by the other 310 million Americans who aren't suffering from hunger and food insecurity. It's our job as Americans to help the homeless, unemployed, and lower-class families to have a sufficient supply of nutritionally adequate food that is readily available and provided in socially acceptable ways. Establishing food drives and food banks, raising money to support community programs, educating individuals on the importance of health and helping them budget their money to buy nutritionally adequate foods are ways we Americans can help fight hunger and food insecurity. Let's return to my interview with John Shuck, Senior Minister of Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. He continues to describe his trip to Iraq and participation in the Arba'in pilgrimage that celebrates the death of Muhammad's great-grandson, Imam al-Husan. While we were there, we were trying to get a pass so that we could go into the shrine. You're not allowed to really take cameras into the shrine. And so, but if you had a pass, you could do that. And so it took some time getting the pass and visiting the, the um officials within the shrine itself and while that was happening they have their own media outlets they interviewed us Mm -hmm. and then that went all over the place and suddenly then it was the iraqi media network came and interviewed us in a number of places like that because we were were a story then uh uh, and so uh yes in fact the language as it ended up being translated rather um in an exaggerated form a great American journalist, you know, a head of U.S. <laughs> church has come to. <laughs> great honors. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And I thought if I really did work for, you know, CNN or something like that, I would be treated like royalty because they really. And, they and that's, a, that. that's a part that there isn't a lot of our, I couldn't find any American media there. Um, you know, they, they've covered the war somewhat, but after the peacetime, they haven't covered so much. Well, you do read in the literature about these experiences that they they are sort of the uh, Muslim community is sort of thumbs down on the media from the West for its failure uh, to identify. And to what degree did you experience getting more feedback on that? I did get feedback on that. They wanted definitely media to come. Uh, along the pilgrimage route from Najaf to Karbala is the Iranian media center. And that's quite a big building. And we stayed there that first night. And and they were uh, and uh, they had a lot of um, they were really wanted us to stay and do a lot more media work. But we we were on our own thing to to do our walk. But uh, they they talked to me. One of the people well, says he's always trying to get American journalists to come, but it really ha- hadn't happened. And so they were very excited for Americans to come see what it's really like. 
you know, Iraq is on the State Department as listed as a do not go to. Not, they don't forbid Americans to go, but don't go. Um, but my experience there was really quite the opposite. It was really quite quite welcoming and very peaceful and encouraging. Please come and see. Hear, hear us. Be, let us be hospitable to you. Let us uh, tell you our story. And, uh, and I think that's an important thing to do. Yeah. So you had purposely, I mean, this was a very important part of you going there, was to document this through video. And uh, I don't know if you did separate audio or just totally by video. So how did that work? Well, yes, and I'm I'm not uh, in any means. This, this would be the first thing I've ever done of any of that kind. I do radio stuff, right. but that's all audio, and that's mostly in the studio, okay, or in my home studio. So doing going on the road, but Josh had done some camera work, but he's not a professional either. He's, he's, he does some things. So uh, it isn't that we're – well – when I, what can I say? So we did a lot of interviews. We interviewed, actually, in many cases, a lot of the people on the tour with us because that was really a story in itself. What, who are Shia Americans and what was that oh, trip? And they could speak English. And they could speak English, and, and, and that was a very big help. And then, and, and it was very much uh, – the tour itself was very much a, uh, a, a, a religious gathering in and of itself. You'd have speeches and we'd go visit these shrines. So there was a lot there. I learned a lot that way. Uh, on the walk itself, well, we were told you can do one or the other. You can really make a documentary or you can go on the walk. But doing both will be tricky mm-hmm. because it is was 50 miles of walking and doing the you thing, keep, you know. Keep up the mark. And so it was – and so we didn't do a whole lot. We did some things with our cell phones, different kinds of things. But with the actual equipment to get it out twice in the evening, we stopped and did interviews just kind of open up the camera to see who would come, and that was kind of wild. And then one time in the morning, we uh, uh, where we stayed one time, well, twice in the morning, we did other interviews with the people where we stopped. But it wasn't a whole lot of on the way seeing everyone. Had we done it again, might have been able to do more of that. But um, the real emphasis for me was the documentary, but that was secondary. We had kind of to make the decision on the spot. Is, are we going on this tour? Are we going on this walk, this pilgrimage? Or are we documenting it? And and it was really the first thing we had to decide, you know. And that's what it was for me, really. It was a it was a spiritual thing too. So, were there any really outstanding people that you met, or would they, you know, I mean, just meeting people in common would be would be important. Well, I met. And I'm, his name is going. I don't know, know what is his name, but he is the second to Al Sistani, who is really the leader of, of uh, the uh, Shia Muslims in Iraq. And I happened to they introduced me to him while he was kind of he had just done a speech at the Imam oh, Shrine, yeah. and he came up to me and and or I went up to him and he, they, we got introduced and he was very nice and he spoke to me in Arabic and but I learned that he was he said. Uh, you have a very nice smile. Welcome to Iraq. <laughs> so, but outside of that, no, I don't. I don't know if I really met a whole lot of famous people, except um, as we were getting the pass, and I met the people, the officials at the Imam Hussein Shrine. Um, a, a couple of times when we went to Iraq, uh, went to Baghdad. I mean, uh, we came back and and. And I happened to be get kind of swept up and introduced to one of the generals there because they were interested <laughs> in seeing me. And I, I, but again, the language barrier kept us from doing much more than you know, simple you "hello, how are have, you." You needed to have an instant interpretation for you. 
sounded yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't really, and when Josh, we, we did it, we didn't have an interpreter with us along the way, all the way. And so we, partly because we purposely just wanted to do it and see what would happen. Right, right. <laughs> Well, you hope something good's going to come out of that. Yeah, and it, and it did. It really, it really was uh, a, a great first trip. I'd like to go back. Yeah. Uh, and now just, that now that I've been there this first time, your appetite has been whetted. Right, because <laughs> I think I think it's be really important. I think it'd be good for, and not only me, but I, w- I would hope other uh, other Americans would go and so, check it out. So you're going to create this documentary. Yeah. So can you define it a little bit more for me and sort of like where you headed with that? Or? Yeah, I can. Uh, it, we, the title of it is For Love of Hussein uh, because really it's it's that's the phrase we heard a great deal. Um, we got a lot of – Josh is really good. He has a good eye. And so he got a lot of great footage of different things. from the, And we were able to go to the top of the shrine, which uh, people do not go. And so we were allowed – passage uh, to places that just weren't happening and we got great footage and 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 we got some good interviews with not only people from America talking about it which I think will in the end that probably will be the story it will be uh, the idea is I, I, I said I went to Iraq so I could get to know my neighbors across the street right <laughs> you know and 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 that will be a thing the target audience would be I, I have my, my church in mind that's who I'm thinking about, uh, to, so they can learn about uh, Islam and, and, and this walk and this experience and uh, hopefully shed stereotypes and really be able to see the humanity and, and the beauty of this faith um, that is very much like their own faith. Right, right. So can you describe, or have you gotten to this point yet where you're thinking about how you were going to promote this piece that you're going to produce? I don't know how I'm going to promote it. I'm, okay. really, I'm really lousy at that. Uh, well, I was thinking YouTube. I mean, yeah, yeah, it'll be that. It'll be certainly okay. a YouTube. I mean, we are scheduled to have a showing of it April 13th, which happens to be um, this year. It happens to be Hussein's birthday. Oh, okay. In Seattle, <laughs> oh, at, Seattle. The, at the Husseinia Society. So that's, that's the group that sponsored us. We're going to show it there. And I'm also doing a, there'll be a, in a variety of, of presentations. And, and folks here are, are, are welcome to come. It's in going to be in Seattle, but, you know, three-mile drive, three-hour drive or so. Um, And outside of that, I don't know. And I have, we have so much footage and so many interviews that this will be just the start. Then after that, I'm going to release the other things that we've done in different settings. So a lot of it is on social media. Since I went, I kind of did Facebook page and... And then after the media happened, because they, when they interviewed us, the reporter then looked at my Facebook page because I showed him that. He put that on the Iraqi media network, my Facebook page. Oh, okay. <laughs> so suddenly I had flooded with followers. I had over 9,000 9, followers oh now, <laughs> and all my friends maxed out. So it ended up being uh, a real uh, fascinating discussion. And it's an opportunity, I think, for people from Iraq who are and, and Iran and wherever. Uh, I don't even know where they're all from. I just said, sure, I'm going to friend everybody. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens. And, and it's been neat. So they've been able to talk about uh, their experience as well on my Facebook page. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so in part, but at the end of the day, it's me. 
I'm not a great American journalist. I'm not the head of a U.S. church, but I am a pastor. And uh, for me, it really was a spiritual experience. And and I want to take that. Um, I did get to touch, for example, the um, the tomb. When you go inside this beautiful shrine, then the, there's a... Um, uh, kind of this big grate, metal grate, uh, that over is, is beautifully done, but is over the site of his grave. And then there's another one over the site where he was killed. And so what you do, the kind of object is people to go and, and touch it. Well, it's filled with people, right? So you can't just get to it. You're really? swimming through bodies. <laughs> and so really just moving through the bodies like that to get up and touch it. And, and I was just a, a few inches away, and I couldn't quite touch it. Oh. Right? I'm there trying to reach it because I'm going to do this. And while I'm there, a hand takes mine and pushes it up against the grave. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and again, I say, you know, I'm not kind of the whitest guy in the room. And this is a brown hand taking my white hand, pushing it up against the grate. Our eyes connected. And it was really a, an emotional experience for me of going and seeing a lot of the devastation of Iraq and my nation did in, 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 in this, and, and its failure to rebuild it and its failure to even acknowledge it, right. <laughs> what's going on, to even visit it and see, hear these stories. And so it was a powerful emotional experience for me uh, to, to, have, to be able to do that and to be so welcomed, on the other hand, and to realize that uh, this figure that um, we went to visit, we were going to see... Uh, was really, in the end, about justice and about speaking the truth, speaking for justice, uh, no matter what the opposition. And that, that's a, it's a powerful story, and I can see why so many millions of people go to that and are, and are um, empowered by that. Right. So I don't know that this is in your wish list. But I'm assuming because you experienced it that way, you might possibly have the uh, hope that other Christians might be moved by that experience and may want to not necessarily participate in it because so it's so far away and expensive, but on the other hand, might want to sort of in the spirit of it somehow to recognize that and to help grow into a greater understanding of the uh, the, the mutuality of our uh, religious experiences, even though they are by time and by prime characters and so on so different. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very true. I I would like a bit. My wish list would be if Christians and Muslims did something, had a potluck dinner, right. that that simple, really, right. just to be able to 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 do that sharing and and to, because there are a lot of cultural barriers. There's language. There's culture. There's gender issues. All of those kinds of things <clears throat> to be able to to talk about and. Um, uh, because we, in the end, we have a lot, a lot in common. I, I didn't realize the Shia intellectual tradition, how powerful that is, and, and um, how, how large it is, and how many fascinating speakers there are on all kinds of issues, not only theology but all kinds of other things too, right. science right. and. Right. You know, the imam here is a molecular biologist. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so he was up at uh, you know he worked up at uh, OHSU. So. <laughs> and, and doing all kinds of work like that. So we're, we're talking about, you know, real moves wealth of, of minds. It sort of moves us beyond our stereotypes. <laughs> it absolutely does. We should, all those stereotypes should be uh, shattered uh, in that. So, yeah, whether you go to Iraq and do the Arba'in, I mean, that, that was a full immersion, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but there are many cities, I don't know if 
Portland does that, but many Seattle I know did had their own mini ones. You know, so people they cannot make it to Karbala. Uh, they'll often have marches in within the streets or something right, a right. symbolic one. And so for the various holidays, uh, Ramadan is coming up. That's a great opportunity to I think meet with um, Islamic neighbors and and uh, yeah. Now the Western media, bless the Western media, <laughs> has focused uh, dramatically and perhaps rightfully on the problems faced by the uh, Roman Catholic priesthood, as well as more recently, I understand our brethren in the Southern Baptist Church, because of their uh, horrible uh, uh, attempts to uh, do manipulate women, manipulate children, uh, and uh, it's horrible. And that, that sort of message permeates into the ether out here and, and sort of characterizes religious groups in a particular way that isn't very good. And I mean, that versus that kind of the opposite event, which is the Sabarin pilgrimage and all of the meaning and structure of that seems to have a much higher and important message. <laughs> so I'm wondering, how do we move from this terrible negative environment being promoted about the Christian religious and the leadership, which is just uh, has horrible stories about it? Uh, how do we... <laughs> How do we get to the positive message that we need to think about uh, in terms of uh, promoting of understanding of, of our views of the world, of God, of, of uh, religious groups, etc.? You're kind of talking about religion in general here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, on one level, I want to say that religions have brought this on themselves when they are not... Uh, for being, you know, uh, not even being familiar and taking seriously their own texts, okay, <laughs> uh, or taking seriously their own doctrines and, the, and, and being very narrow-minded and, and not moving ahead. And so I, I always feel I'm just on the edge of religion. <laughs> Something. Okay. I mean, it's any time I could be fall off the edge. But I, I stay in it because I, I, I don't want it to be controlled by people who do use it to do harm. I mean, there is a lot of resource here and a lot of good resource, a lot of historical resource and, and a lot that we don't know about uh, throughout history of both Christianity and Islam that have been positive uh, for society itself. I, I think more a little congregation here. In fact, all the, all the four congregations I've served and the congregations I know filled with people who want to do good things. Right. You know, and, and, and I think that is, for the most part, I would say that's what we are. Um, well, and, and, and we need to, so I'm, I don't try, I'm certainly not trying to whitewash anything in that, or, but, but sometimes the media really just has only a couple of narratives about religion, you know, usually something sensational or bad behavior, <laughs> hypocrisy, and, 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 and it's there, and, uh, but it, but it's far more complicated than that, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there are people who do incredible things. Think of Thomas Merton, you know, who was really an anti-war activist uh, of the faith, or Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, that he came out of the church, and uh, uh, and so those are Christian ones. But 
Malcolm X and Islam or, or different kinds of people uh, that, that I even met here in Iraq right. that are really doing important things for humanity and they, and they come out of it from a spiritual religious tradition. So, so let's broadcast this. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. You need to have the positive aspects of people who are doing good things. Their stories need to be told. Right. So refresh my mind. We've already talked about it. How is this going to work in terms of the documentary? And let's remind the, the audience that's going to listen to this uh, how they can participate. How they can participate and how yeah. they can watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't even, uh, now I should tell you, I, I would guess that people should go to my website. <laughs> they will find out at progressivespirit.net okay. or the chair, because definitely by then we'll have links out in terms of how it's going to be um, shown. Well, but it'll be a YouTube thing okay. for the most well, part. Will there be a Southminster? There'll be Southminster. We'll have Southminster. We'll you go to southmin.org. Uh, you'll find a link to it, yeah, at that time, too. So after April, of course, we got, I feel like, uh, who's that guy who made Planet Nine from Outer Space? You know, Ed, uh, he, he would make the uh, promos before he'd make his movies. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so there, there is that. i got to do the work on this yet. Right. And so that's coming up. But... Um, but when that's done, and and it will be, it won't be any you know Steven Spielberg thing. But it will be. I'm I'm hoping it'll be um, something engaging enough to encourage people to be curious about their neighbors. Right. Well, John Chuck, pastor. <laughs> thank you very much for the opportunity of uh, finding out more about your experiences here in this beautiful community of Beaverton uh, through the interaction between the Islamic. Uh, Portland Islamic Center and Southminster Church and particularly yourself and the wonders of the Abarine pilgrimage. It sounds wonderful and I wish you luck in your promotion for it. So thank you very much for this time together. Well, thank you, Wayne, for this. It's really a great opportunity to be on your show. Great. This has been another edition of Keeping Current with Wayne Potter.